Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Tremendous fashion, 4-3 to three over the Minnesota Wild. This is your old friend Scott Cahill, a.k.a. the Hip Check. And uh, lots to talk about. Kings uh, start the game one in uh, nail-biting fashion. Nothing comes easy for the Kings here in the, tonight, no exception. And here to help me chat about it, we got uh, from CaliSportsNews.com, Mr. Jeff Duarte. Hey, Jeff, how are you, buddy? Hip check. <laughs> I jumped so like hard and fast out of my seat when Carter scored the winning goal in overtime. It was as if the Kings had won the cup because I was like seriously feeling like severe anxiety watching this game against Minnesota as if it was like a game seven. I mean, it was just an emotional roller coaster that. I don't know what I did to my computer, but now I just had to reboot it. I lost all my information. So right now I'm completely in the dark except for what I have here on my phone. But what, you know what, uh, we could say a lot of things about these LA Kings for this season. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of, pro- of progress uh, from where they were last season. They are definitely resilient. But, uh, man, it's true. You said it. They, they never have ever made it easy for Kings fans, and this game is a perfect example of that. I just wish that the Kings would be able to hold the lead so we don't have to go through these crazy emotions, and sure, it makes for a great dramatic finish. Hockey gods are the best script writers in the world, but man, I seriously <laughs> need like an, an anxiety pill or something because my heart's still pumping out of my chest. What a finish. <laughs> Dude, I want I want you to you patent that. That's the greatest quote ever. The hockey gods are the greatest scriptwriters in the world because uh, really, truer words were never spoken. Hey, also joining us tonight, uh, L.A. King superfan, Mr. Augie Loya. Hey, Augie, how you doing, buddy? Well, I got to tell you that uh, you talk about a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, if you could have asked me that question about. You could have asked me that question over the past uh, 15, 20 minutes. I would have given you about five different answers. 
So uh, I'll, stick with my, <laughs> I'll stick with my current answer that uh, I'm feeling damn fabulous. And, Jeff Carter, you are one sexy damn beast. What? I mean, wow. And you know something else, too? You want to talk about a pass. If you guys get a chance, you have to look at the pass that Kempe made to, to Carter uh, to set that up. I mean, and, and right in the slot, and Carter just – buries it and i'm just i'm hey you know what i'm kind of at a loss for words here and uh i am just thrilled that the kings were able to squeeze two points out of this because that could have been a really demoralizing loss yeah yeah you said it augie because i i was even thinking about this you know uh you're right they lose they end up losing this game in that fashion and really what was just a a breakdown of a couple different players across the board now you got to go into Winnipeg on back-to-backs, and it just has the making of a of a disaster. You know, so the fact that they yeah. were able to pull this out, you know, we're we're at the point really where this could be one of those season-type saving games. You know, it really could, and uh, and so much to talk about too. Uh, geez, from from Carter to Brown's resurgence uh, to the the Carter injury, or I'm sorry, to Trevor Lewis's injury. Uh, me and uh, me and Jeff were talking between the plays. Eric Stahl, 39 goals on the season. Who could have, you know, who the hell would have predicted that? He's going to have his third highest season in like the last 13 years. Like, I mean, you can't you can't write this. So this game was crazy. From uh, you know Parise his, scoring his ninth of the year, uh, and guys, surely I'm not the only one when we see uh, Parise out there. Do we have shades of 2012 of him in a New Jersey's Devils uniform? Yep. I just keep pick. I just picture him grabbing the puck with his hand and throwing the puck in the net and thinking <laughs> that that would be a legit goal for the Devils in the Stanley Cup Final. That's what I keep thinking of, and I'm like, sorry, Zach, you can't do that. You still can't do that, buddy. But what he did today, yeah, that was actually a really good goal. But uh, yeah, I just keep thinking of him cheating. You know. You're not trying if you're not cheating, really. He wants to win the Stanley Cup. I can't blame the guy, but throwing the puck into the net back in 2012, come on, dude, that's not going to work. That's what I think of every time when I think of Zach Parise. Oh, and that goal for Team USA with seconds to go in the 2010 Olympics, taking it to overtime. So definitely a great player. Indeed, indeed. But back to our subject at hands with our L.A. Kings and uh, – yeah, just just a huge game, and we're going to talk about. Uh, we'll go down the box score here and break that all stuff down. We'll look at the standings. We'll look at the scoreboards and uh, break down. And I think it might be a little rough to say the goat of the game, but guys, are you with me? It was a, it was a rough game for Alex Martinez, was it not? His uh, some of the decisions he was making tonight, some of his. Uh, some of the execution was just not there. Let's put it that way. But, Doggy, uh, did you happen to notice that, that it was definitely a rough night for uh, Alec Martinez? I got to see a little bit of the game, but I was listening to the radio on the way home from work. And uh, and Daryl Evans and Nick Nixon were pointing out some stuff that Martinez was doing out there because they kept mentioning his name, but it's some uh, – uh, not. I'm not going to say not so flattering, but uh, – in ways that was just kind of like uh, they were describing the plays, and it was not a good night for Alec Martinez based on what Nick Nixon and Daryl Evans were saying, especially that last play in the third 
where just before just before the Minnesota Wild scored, uh, Alec Martinez had a giveaway that they almost converted on when he was trying to find Jeff Carter, and it seemed that that was the uh, the theme of the game for him. So definitely an off night for him. Yep, yep, for sure. And uh, to be fair, though, seven block shots on the night for Alec Martinez. So so uh, good for him. Hey, let's go ahead and just get right to it and break down uh, our scoring here and some of the plays of the game. Uh, overall, uh, Kings ended up out shooting Minnesota 30 to 27, uh, out hitting them 32 to 24. Uh, Kings actually uh, Minnesota with 14 giveaways. Uh, that's uh, probably makes the Kings a little bit happy, but they also ended up with 12 takeaways. Uh, faceoffs Minnesota with just a slight edge. Uh, game opened up with Tanner Pearson, his 15th of the season, assisted by. Uh, Dustin Brown and Drew Dowdy, and uh, I was actually listening to the radio on my way home from work, so I did not see this goal either. Jeff, what did you see on the Tanner Pearson goal? Actually, it was a really, uh, really cool play that actually started with Drew Dowdy. Uh, Dowdy just rushed in towards the net with the puck, and he did a drop pass uh, to Dustin Brown, who did a, a, a behind-the-back pass right to Pearson, who one-timed it right into the net. And it was really just like bam, bam, bam. It happened so quickly. So when I saw the replay, how, you know, when they, they slowed it down and showed the replay, it was, like, really cool. So it was all, like, Dowdy coming in on the rush and everyone, all the uh, Minnesota defensemen focusing on him and just dropping that puck to Dustin Brown, who, who picked it up right away. And Wayne Gretzky, like, did that backhand pass, knowing that Pearson was going to be there, and right away, Pearson just one-timed it in, so it happened really fast. It was a really uh, a pretty play that they did there, and a great way to, to start the game and get the first goal in the game. Absolutely, and Brown and Dowdy on the assist there. Uh, then in the second period, on the power play, Jeff Carter, uh, assisted by Muzzin and Dowdy. Uh, did you notice, too, guys, one of the more frustrating aspects of it, not this goal particular, but uh, Kings had a real hard time trying to get to the puck into the middle uh, of the ice uh, on the power play. Wild did a really good job of keeping the Kings outside. Uh, it was very rare that they had any shots right there from the scoring area or for the middle of the ice. And uh, I don't know if, once again, that was just uh, uh, the penalty kill uh, strategy that the Wild was going for, but... They did a wonderful job all game long. Kings never really were able to get anything in the middle. And uh, Jeff Carter, this goal in particular, was really because there was a, a pretty big rebound. And the Kings that, at that time, they did get the puck in. And there was a scramble, ended up right on Carter's stick. But uh, did you notice that as well, Jeff, uh, that uh, Minnesota really did on, on the power play? Kings had a hard time getting to the middle. Uh, Minnesota always has, has that uh... – I guess just being known for, like, they're very, very strong defensively. And by defensively, I mean, like, they have a very strong forecheck, a very strong backcheck, and they will control that neutral zone. I mean, it's not exactly like in the dead puck era where New Jersey, you know, they were the kings of the neutral zone trap type thing. But Minnesota has something very similar, and then they will counter. As you can see, like, Minnesota isn't really known as a fast team, but when they need to turn on the Jets, they can, and they can actually then be really quick. So they're very good on the counterattack. But, yeah, they're, they're pretty known for just shutting down teams at that neutral zone. 
sometimes they're not the best defensively once they're in their defensive zone, but they're not bad at all. But in that neutral zone, I mean, Bruce Boudreau uh, really has got them focused on there, and they can just shut you know, pl- uh, players from the opposing team down from entering the their, you know, defensive zone and getting shots at the net. So the Kings really had to work. And I guess what ended up happening as the game went on where the Kings, you know, started, you know, giving up goals. And next thing you know, Minnesota has the lead. So L.A. had to step up their game and really had to start crashing and banging in the neutral zone to create turnovers from Minnesota because Minnesota was forming this wall in the neutral zone. So I'm glad that the Kings were able to kind of figure it out and start getting by them. But yeah, Minnesota does not make it easy on anybody in that zone. Yep. And uh, Kings feeling pretty good until about six minutes later, uh, aforementioned Zach Parise uh, really capitalizes, waits out quick. Uh, Very, very nice goal, his ninth of the season. Nobody really cares who assists on it because it's not the Kings, it's the Wild. (laughs) But then, uh, as we mentioned, Eric Stahl, his 39th of the goal, uh, that was kind of a – you kind of got a bad harbinger at that point, just, you know, under a minute left in the second, uh, being wide open. A uh, really great pass by Ryan Suter set the whole thing up, but uh, just that quick wrister snipes the corner, and once again, Eric Stahl, 39th goal of the season, and uh, really, he's uh, this right as of right now, this is his third highest goal output of his career, and uh, you want to hear a crazy stat is uh, is that. Uh, he actually has a chance of, of setting a career high in goals. And uh, here's something you don't see too often. His career high in goals was his second season. So his second season as a pro, 2005-2006, uh, he scored 45 goals. And I'd have to think that's got to be some type of record. Would you not think, guys, if he if he has a career high, if he scores uh, six more goals in the rest of the season and ties a career high, I mean – that would be what, like twelve seasons, like twelve seasons between your career high goals, and I, I wonder too if there's even a record about, you know, just uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess he's not that old. It just seems around like he's been around forever. Uh, drafted in that wonderful yeah. class of two thousand three. Uh, for you, uh, hang on, where's where's my sound here? This is this is worthy of the uh, the harp sound. But uh, for you folks that uh, you know, new to the game and want to pay attention to hockey and learn a little something. There we go. Remember it like it was yesterday. Ah, 2003. (laughs) Hip hip check became a father for the first time that I know of. Anyway, so. uh, Nice, nice, nice. Legendary class of 2003, do yourself a favor. Look at it. It is a who's who of elite talent, and we could probably juggle people back and forth. And why don't we go ahead and do it right now off the top of our head, guys, because we, we don't need – we're pros here. We don't need to, to go to the hockey database. But along with Eric Stahl, I don't even know who's, who number one was that year. That's how good that draft was. But oh, I, I remember. Oh, yeah. Dustin Brown. Yeah. Dustin Brown was yes, taken sir. in the 2003 draft. And then go ahead. Let's just rotate, guys, until we can run out of names. All right. Uh, so, Perry, uh, Perry, I don't know. Corey Corey Perry was in that draft. Yep. Uh, Corey uh, Perry two guys by the name, two, uh, uh, some guy by the name of Jeff Carter was also in yep. that draft, and as and as well as uh, someone by the name of Mike Richards was also in that draft. 
Yeah. Oh, Ryan Kessler. Also, also Kessler, in that draft. Kessler was in that draft. Yep. As uh, was, uh, as was Ryan as well. Yep. 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 Number one was, was yep. uh, the, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. He was That's number correct, one that year. That was wow. a big thing because that was a big thing about a goalie going number one. I totally remember that about that draft. But uh, also yes, the aforementioned yes. Zach Zach Parise was in that draft. Oh, there draft, you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, he absolutely was. And then also too, Shea Weber was not Shea Weber in that draft as well. And I believe he was even like a second round pick. I could be wrong, but I think Fanuf was in that draft as well. Yes, Fanuf was in that draft. No, you're right. Well, you're 100 percent right. He was. Yeah, yeah he was a top ten so, pick. Yeah. yeah, Brent Burns. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> Fanuf as well. Another one. Brent Burns. Yep. Brent Burns. Wow. Yeah. Brent Burns. Uh, Corey. Uh, Corey Crawford. <laughs> Corey Crawford. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Corey, Corey Crawford. Crawford. Yeah, hey, he was that's like a multi. The, that's a multi. That's a three-time. That's a two-time Stanley Cup winning goal right there. Goal, uh, goalie right there, oh. man. Also, too, Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter also in that draft. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, a lot of players from today's game <laughs> on there. Um, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, I just had his uh-huh. name. Oh, I just had his Backus. name. Sorry, guys. I messed David Backus. Up. David Backus. Oh, Br- Brent Seabrook, Chicago. That's another one. Yep. Yeah. David wow. Backus. Don't you like a who's. Like a, it's like a who's who that first round. I mean, Jesus, the uh, the amount of talent uh, in that in that draft. Uh, also, too, now I, now hey, I'm cheating. Yeah, I pulled yeah. it up just to. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm Hold cheating on one now, second. Go ahead. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Here we go. Biz Nasty himself, Paul Bissonnette, was in that draft. Oh, Winter All Star nice. right there. How about how about three-time Stanley Cup champion and World Junior gold medalist for Canada, Colin Fraser, 2003 ah. draft. And I did wow. just look that up. I I didn't know that one. I just looked it up. He was on there too. Some other That's ones, right. guys. And look, check this out. These are guys in the second round. The Patrice Bergeron was actually taken oh. in the second round. Wow. Uh, Matt Carl, not that that good, but 730 games. Uh, Shea Weber was actually taken after Matt Carl. Uh, you guys already mentioned uh, Corey Crawford. Uh, who else we got? Yeah, David Backus. Uh, anybody How about that, Patrick that went down O'Sullivan? There a bit? You guys yeah. remember O'Sullivan? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was his oh, yeah. draft too. Must follow on his Twitter page, and uh, once again, definitely a story. Kyle Quincy oh, yes. in the fourth round. <laughs> I All right, right. Yeah, ever quit. Hey, you know <laughs> who was an eighth round? You, you, you know who was an eighth round pick that year? Dustin Bufflin. Who's that? Bufflin. Was he really? <laughs> he was. Yeah, the Los Angeles eighth Kings round. took Mike Sullivan one pick ahead of Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> the coach of Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Sullivan picked one pick. Yes. <laughs> LA picked the right. coach of Pittsburgh and Tom That's Glavin right. again? Oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin. That's right. All Tom over there. Yeah, Dustin, so Dustin Bufflin, he's had one heck of, of a career, won the Stanley Cup. So, yeah. wow, he was really late. So, you really never know yeah. with the draft. It really is a crapshoot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was That's that right. was a draft for the ages. That was, you know, a draft for the ages, though. And, uh, you know, Kings, uh, you know, Kings, 
Uh, there was even rumors Kings were trying to get a second round draft pick, but uh, you know more more draft picks and move up and whatnot. But uh, but I I do digress. Although we can say that right, the Kings took uh, Brian Boyle and Jeff Tambellini, and then Corey Perry was taken with the very next pick. So there you go. Uh, you how different it, would it, how different would it be today if the Kings did pick Corey Perry? Because they could have. Could, how things could would you be imagine different today? It, Think about this. Could you imagine that Dustin Brown and Corey Perry as teammates? I mean, regard, mm-hmm. easily regarded as two of, like, the dirtiest players in the game. I, Augie, Augie, <laughs> Augie, think of this one. Can you imagine yeah, Corey see. Perry and Jonathan Quick on the same team? One of the oh biggest rivalries in hockey today. That's true. Crazy. It'd wow. be a different world. It'd be a world it that would I would not recognize. The thought of Perry in a Kings jersey actually kind of makes me puke in my mouth a little bit, so I'm going to uh, continue <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, so, I can see it. Yeah, anyways, yeah. <laughs> I'm pulling the plug right now. Uh, so, anyways, uh, a really evenly matched third period. As a matter of fact, the Wild were really starting to take it to the Kings, and at that point – I was just hoping the Kings could hold on to get into overtime. And you knew that uh, you knew that Stevens had nothing left in the bag because all of a sudden Andre, Andy Andrioff was getting a regular shift there in the third <laughs> period and actually was on the ice uh, when uh, Joel Erickson X scored the fourth. And once again, that was just a, a comedy of errors really across the board uh, when we see the replay of that and you go look at the highlights. But Kings did not give up. The, uh, the net pulled. Uh, Dustin Brown redirects a Drew Doughty shot. Kings tie it up. Brown's 22nd of the year. And, uh, geez, along with Stahl, uh, the story of Brown. And, you know what, guys? Here's the other thing that we ought to talk about right now because this is an L.A. Yeah. Kings-centric show. And we don't care about any other teams or whatnot. But I've never seen Brown get as many deflected goals as as this year. I mean, even in, in his earlier, you know, when he was the young running over everybody and just being the being the pure power forward, you know, he was really just bull charging to the net and getting a lot of rebounds. I don't ever recall him having the luck with redirecting pucks as he has this season. Like, like literally before this season. I wouldn't, you know, it's just something I, I never really associated with Dustin Brown, you know, redirecting pucks. But this year, he is a god. And let me go ahead and I'll throw that to you, Augie. Reaction. Uh, my reaction is that was something that I saw him working on in the preseason practices. And even out there now, they still go out there and run drills in front where they practice on the redirects. And, uh, I mean, the Kings make a very conscious effort to do that, and they utilize their uh, their defensemen out there. Uh, that's the other reason why Doughty, uh, I think Drew Doughty tonight set a career high for assists uh, in, in a season because of the fact that they're having him fire more pucks at the at the net. And, I mean, that's, that's, the diff- that's one of the main differences this year with Pierre Turgeon and John Stevens there is the fact that They've pretty much activated Drew Doughty and the other point men. I mean, even, even Dion Phaneuf. I mean, he, that guy's got a howitzer of a shot from the blue line. And Muzzin, of course, as well. And and they just wait for uh, for Brown or Pearson. Pearson's another one who camps out in front. But, but Dustin Brown has been uncanny this year. I mean, where things are bouncing right for him, 
and going in as opposed to the last few years where, I mean, the guy was hitting post after post or just going wide or, or really just playing out of his comfort zone. But he had started at the beginning of the season where he had a couple go in and started to believe in the system and, and really put himself there at risk. And even at the game, uh, the game against New Jersey, I mean, he took a couple shots from Dowdy uh, right center mass. Uh, and uh, that hurts. I, I don't care how much equipment you have on, that hurts, especially coming from a from a guy like Dowdy. And still, he has no hesitation. He still goes, camps out in front, and is making a living in the office there. Yep, yep. And real quick before I throw it to you, Jeff, uh, confirming Augie. Augie's absolutely right. With three assists tonight, uh, Dowdy has set a career high in assists, and Dowdy is actually – five points away from having a career high uh, in points. So he's well on his way uh, with, uh, you know, eight, eight or so games left in the season, but go ahead, uh, Jeff. Yeah. We're talking about uh, this uncanny resurgence of Brown. All of a sudden his ability to redirect pucks just uh, uh, amazing to watch. So this is actually uh, not new with Dustin Brown, and I'll tell you why. Because if you guys remember way back in the 2012 playoffs, and right, how can we forget? Uh, remember when the Kings brought on Bernie Nichols to be an assistant coach, and Nichols was kind of like what Turgeon is doing now, just without the official, you know, name tag of you know offensive coordinator type thing. But one thing Dustin Brown was doing, because Brown started struggling in the conference final against the Phoenix Coyotes, where Brown was red hot in the first two rounds of the playoffs, he started disappearing a bit uh, when it comes with at least goals and points. One thing was him and Bernie Nichols were working a lot on him, getting into the crease, screening the goalie, and working at deflecting the puck into the net. Uh, And if you guys recall, uh, Dustin Brown uh, did deflect a couple of goals uh, in the final by doing that because he was working with Nichols. It came really into play two years later when Nichols was no, no longer involved with the team. In the 2014 Stanley Cup final against the New York Rangers, game two, double overtime, Dustin Brown did one of the most amazing tip ins in front of the net that I ever saw because it was, it was a slap shot from the point, and, and Brown followed the puck in the air and perfectly put his blade of a stick where the puck's going to go and moved his body and directed it towards the net. So it has been something that Brown has been working on. The reason why we haven't seen Brown do it consistently was simply the fact that Daryl Sutter did not want Brown there in the crease. And that's why it, it, it stood out so much at the beginning of this season that we see Dustin Brown, you know, make his office there in front of the net because now he's there all the time. John Stevens lets him do it. You know, he's working with Pierre Turgeon and they're doing all that stuff. But that actually dates back to 2012 where Brown knew that was a weakness of his game. And Bernie Nichols has to get some credit for uh, – you know, helping Brown work on that. The only problem was Daryl Sutter did not allow him to have that as part of his game, which is why you would see Brown just kind of just look for rebounds or do the old toe drag move that everybody knew he was going to do, and everybody started shutting him down, and then the whole thing with Sutter happened. So really it goes back to 2012, and he even did it in the finals in 2014. This year, now that he has free reign to park himself in the crease, now we're seeing it, and he really has become a puck-deflecting master. So, yeah, good on Brownie. What a year he's having. What a game he had. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a thing of beauty to, to watch for sure as well. 
And then uh, an amazing three-on-three overtime. Teams just trading blows. I I hate to use the uh, two prize fighters cliche, uh, but it really was. I mean, it was the most exciting three-on-three you're probably going to ever see. And each team really had chances, uh, uh, you know, to to end it. But ultimately, uh, you know, say what you will about Adrian Kempe. He hasn't scored uh, in now 20 games, but me – me and you, Jeff, we talked about it. You know, he's not yep, scoring, yep. but Jesus, is he visible? You know, is he visible? You see him out there doing stuff, and, and tonight you just saw that. He just he just decided he was going to get it to the net hook or crook, and he bull charges it in there. And uh, now we I didn't have a lot of time to review this play, but me and the wife and my kids were watching the replays, and we couldn't determine was it – uh, was it uh, the goalie stick that actually he did a poke check move, which put the puck right out there? Was it Dubnik poke checking it that put the puck right he out did. there? Or uh, as Augie said, was it was it was it actually it, a planned pass? It looked simultaneous. Um, it, it 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 looked um it, it it was weird. It was like uh, it was like Kempe was trying to protect the puck after Dubnik uh, committed. And it was like he hit – it was like a simultaneous thing, and it just turned into a pass kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean, definitely Dubnik did get a piece of it, but I'm not sure if Kempe was trying to dangle it back, and they they both hit the puck at the same time, and Carter – it ends up on Carter's stick. That's the way it looked. Yeah, and nonetheless, yeah, it a was, beautiful it, play. And, it, uh, it, go ahead, Jeff. It was – I'm sorry. Yeah, it was kind of a 50-50 play, but I don't think even Dubnik, I mean, he did go to post track, but I don't even think he even touched the puck. It was actually the Minnesota defenseman who was trying to cover and stop Adrian Kempe, who took a swipe at the puck, but Kempe also looked like that he was going backhand for a pass at the exact same time. So three things were happening all at once. You had Kempe's rush and then going for the backhand. You had Dubnik trying to go for the poke check, but he actually missed it. And you had the Minnesota defenseman, who is he? Who cares because he plays for Minnesota, trying to, to swing at the puck. Either way, all three things work together in conjunction right to Jeff Carter with the perfect instinct and being in the right place at the right time again in this game just to be right in front of that net to snipe the puck. Like, just imagine what was in Dubnik's head when he looks up and there's Jeff Carter all alone ready to fire that puck. But really, yeah, Kempe had had something to do with it. Minnesota, uh, both the goalie and the defenseman, had something to do with it. But in the end, you know, it was the puck got to Carter, and Carter put it away. So it was the way that was supposed to happen. But Kempe, I believe he did get the assist on it, and he should. It was just one of those weird plays where everyone touched the puck at the same time, and magic happened. Yep, absolutely. And if you're scoring at home, John Quick actually got a second assist on the game-winning goal as well. So there you go. All right, let's go ahead and get to uh, our three stars. Probably not going to be a a big surprise here, Uh, but we uh, all agreed, uh, you know, once again, what what does it matter? Who you give it to, number three or number two? Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, both of those guys were just uh, amazing uh, this game and really no question at all about who was star number one, but we'll go ahead and do it anyway. Uh, Mr. Carter, who else could it be but Jeff Carter? So congratulations uh, 
Jeff Carter, you are a man amongst men. And, uh, hey, we got some calls going on, so let's go ahead and take some calls, and then we're going to uh, bring uh, have a little topic of debate that me and Jeff were talking about. We'll go ahead and recap some rain news. We'll go ahead and talk about Gabe Velarde and the Kingston front the next, and then we'll wrap this guy up. So calling from the 858, you're on the air with Hip Check, Augie, and Jeff Duarte. Go ahead. Where's your name? Where you're calling from? <clears throat> Hey, it's T. Hey, how you how you doing, buddy? I'm good. So I'll I'll keep it short. I uh, I was on delay because I was I was working and I got home and uh, and anyway I, I I called my brother. I said, "Don't tell me what's going on, but this is a man's <laughs> game, and and I don't care if they lose every they could lose all 82 games. If they played like this, I'd be happy." And uh and anyway, it was uh that was a great game. That was a great hockey game. Yeah. No matter which team you're rooting for, that was a great hockey game. Indeed. Indeed. It was a it was a fun game to watch and uh T does it make it does it make up for the New Jersey game on Saturday? I'm not sure about that. But because uh, <laughs> I think there was a whole lot of I think there was a whole lot of uh, of uh, green beer drinking and uh, you know whiskey drinking going on the night before that because Quick looked like I mean he looked like it he was he wasn't even an AHL AHL quality goalie I mean that was he he, he looked horrible yeah. anyway but didn't look real good. Uh, didn't look real good on the third goal tonight either, but at the end of the day, uh, quick style, you know, uh, as long as we get the two points, he's happy. And he'll say, he says it on every interview. He doesn't really care what happens if they get the two points. It's uh, on to the next game. Yeah. So, all right, T, thanks for that calling, was, brother. You have a great night. That was a great hockey game. No matter what you say, that was a great hockey game. No matter who won or lo- lost, you know, I was, I was happy with it, yeah. you know. So, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy, entertaining for sure. We're going to be on next uh, Kings' uh, first game in uh, four nights on this road trip. So uh, call back uh, call back uh, for tomorrow, all right, buddy? Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll certainly <laughs> right, be listening. Good night, yep. All right, good night. All right, appreciate it, brother. Later. All right, and uh, before we get – yeah, before we get to our topic of debate here uh, that we are going to talk a little bit, a critique of Rob Blake, if you will. Uh, let's go ahead and bring on Jerry. Hey, Jerry, how are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. The yeah, Kings cool. should not what? do that to their older fans yeah, like buddy. that. That's 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 hard <laughs> on me. Yeah, I didn't find oh, that God. game fun. That game was not fun. How about you, Jerry? Did you find that fun? I didn't think it was fun. Uh, no, the third period was driving me nuts, man. It was just – it just seemed like, you know, no matter what they tried, they couldn't really get anything going. And then, you know, when when they gave up the third goal to Minnesota, and I was looking at Quick's face when he was on the bench, and he was kind of shaking his head, and you know, after they pulled him. And you could tell he was pissed at himself over it. But, you know, it, you know miraculously it all worked out, but – that's you know it, it just it's like cardiac kings man I mean they do this all the time 
Yeah. You know, yeah. We, not, we, not we, had, we had the emotional lift of getting the first two goals. And, you know, and then it's taken away. And then that third period was just chewing up the ice. It was, you know, until the very end, there were both teams scored. So it was a yeah. it was a real roller coaster of a game to watch. Indeed, indeed, and uh, boy, it's not over yet. Kings got a uh, tough task ahead of them tomorrow in Winnipeg, and yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's yikes! Like, like that's the thing that makes me feel good about this was that uh, you know uh, if if the Kings end up losing this game in that fashion on you know that catastrophe of a sequence of events there. Once again, then you're then you're really hating life and thinking that you know this might be the end. But you know, rallying for that kind of type of win. Now you got to go into Winnipeg tomorrow. Uh, but after that, you have real important games because uh, Colorado, Edmonton, Calgary really are the next three in line. Uh, and when you look at that, uh, you know, Colorado and Calgary both in the wild card. Yeah, hunt. you gotta have you gotta have those points there. Got to, you got to Colorado. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, they're huge games. They really are. And so, uh, let me ask you this, guys. Tomorrow, do you start quick? Uh, is it a, is it an important game? We're on a back to back. You go ahead and roll the dice and put quick on the back of two nights, or you wave the white flag and uh, hope the backup goalie can get the job done. In uh, in Soupy Campbell, I roll with uh, Campbell. Yeah, because I based say on Based on tonight's two points, I, I roll with Campbell. Yeah, I, I'd say All I'd right. go with Darcy Kepper. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, Good I agree job. with Augie. Yeah, I'd go, I, I'd go with Campbell. I wouldn't risk putting quick in back-to-back games just because, you know, he does – he's a little bit more injury-prone now. You don't want him to burn out. He got the win today. Um I didn't think he was as bad as he was saying. He did make some bad decisions today, and some of those goals he was caught way out of the net, right? So he was really aggressive, too aggressive, and he got burned by it. But he still made he made a, he made some huge saves at the end of the third period to keep him in it. Uh, but I would definitely put Jack Campbell in, and I just hope Jack uh, Jack Campbell is going to be strong mentally. Uh, doing this because every game, as we know, is so important. Every point is so important. If the Kings lost a game today, like you mentioned, Hipcheck, it really would be doom and gloom because after a 3 nothing loss to New Jersey, and then you see the Ducks beat Jersey after that, I mean, that messes with you. Yeah. You know, the Kings should, be, win- should yeah. be winning those games. And then how can we forget it wasn't that long ago, another matinee game where the Kings had a 3-1 lead against the Chicago Blackhawks well into the third period. And not only lost that game, but lost it in regulation. It didn't even get a point to go into overtime. So there's something about this team. This team is resilient. They're back to being resilient again, which they weren't for the last couple of years. So this team does battle, and they can make comebacks. And we've seen some late crazy goals from the beginning of the season. Kyler Toffoli's winner with a point something to go against Boston to, you know, what we saw today with Brown scoring. But one thing this team does not have 
they don't have that park and ride mentality anymore where they can grind out a one-goal or two-goal lead like they used to just five or six years ago when they were at their championship heights. But, yeah, the way Quick was today making some bad decisions, I say let's go with Campbell, and I hope that Campbell continues to be strong and confident because the pressure is now on because the Kings need to get into the playoffs. And we can't have Jack Campbell play like Ben Bishop did last year, a superior goaltender in theory and on paper who really did not play well with the Kings, and the Kings, you know, fell flat and didn't make the playoffs. But, yeah, I'd go with Campbell too. All right. Hey, here's another question for you guys then. We actually have one more back-to-back at the end of the month, uh, home against Arizona, and then the next night in Anaheim against the Ducks. So knowing there's one more back-to-back and knowing that that Ducks game, once again, for the divisional seeding, is going to be huge. So in that regard, do you play Campbell against Arizona and put Quick in against Anaheim? What do you guys? How do you guys do the the goalie matchup for our last back to back? Go ahead, Jeff, and then I'll give mine on it. Yeah, to be honest with you, if it's against the Ducks, like I'm going to go with the number one guy. I'm going to go with Jonathan Quick. And I know sometimes Anaheim gets in his head. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll take that back. I know sometimes Corey Perry, who could have been his teammate because of that 2003 draft, uh, you know, gets in it. They have this crazy rivalry. But I've also, you know, we've also seen Quick shine against the Ducks because sometimes when Quick is pissed off is when Quick is at his best. So I would go because that, that is such an important game because Anaheim and the Kings are just battling back and forth for that third spot in the Pacific Division, I'm going to go with my number one. And I would have Campbell play against Arizona because, I don't know, are, are we willing to trust Campbell right now at this point to be in such a – it's going to be a playoff game pretty much against the number one rivals, the Ducks. The Ducks are going to be coming out flying. I think we need Johnson Quick back there. And if Quick can, can make the saves at key points of the game and keep the Kings in it, with the Kings again being, and I know I said a lot today, resilient, you know, they can go in there and battle. I would just rather have my number one guy back there. So I would go with Quick. All right. Jerry, what say you, buddy? Uh Two back, back-to-back coming along, uh, starting in Arizona at home. Next night, the Ducks uh, in Anaheim. Uh, you, uh, do you, is that, do you agree with uh, Augie and, and, and Jeff about Roland Campbell for Arizona, knowing the importance of the Ducks game? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and that, perfect, that, perfect. Close, that close to the end there, I would definitely uh, put Campbell in against Phoenix and, or Arizona and uh, – Quick with the Ducks. Okay, there you go. By the way, quick scoreboard for you. Uh, Flames versus Coyotes tied 1-1 to right now, just about the end of the second period. Uh, once again, as far as the Kings are concerned, uh, we really need Arizona to, to win this one. Uh, it will give the Kings a, a six-point buffer uh, over Calgary with a game in hand. Uh, so uh, really got to hope Arizona could pull this out the uh, the more we can make it a three-dog race between the Sharks, the Kings, and the Ducks and get Calgary, uh, you know, Calgary out of the picture entirely, uh, really at that point, uh, really at the point this rest of the season, it would fare the Kings very well, uh, once again, for Dallas and St. Louis to, to go on a losing streak. If those two teams uh, start losing, because Dallas technically is uh, the team now that the Kings are fighting for, 
in the wild card standings. So uh, when we're watching the scoreboard, those are the teams we really got to root against. Uh, Dallas, St. Louis, Calgary. If by the grace of God they lose all the rest of their games, the Kings uh, enter the uh, the playoffs by default. So there we go. The Colorado. Right, get yeah, don't forget about Colorado as well. Yeah, Colorado too. Yeah. They're playing Colorado. Great. Yeah. Yep. Teams have teams have two games against them too. So once again, That's another right. two that you know two huge. big games. So, all right, hey Augie, here's something me and Jeff were talking about, and we'll throw it to you too. I think it's sure. clearly apparent that. Uh, that reader, that reader actually sucks. I don't know. Uh, you know, looking back, I can kind of understand. You figure you're, you know, Kemper's not going to resign, blah, blah, blah. But I would have much rather them got a, a draft pick than, uh, than gotten reader. And uh, me and Jeff talked about it. Literally, I, I don't see reader doing anything that Johnny Brodzinski couldn't do. You know, really. And so – this, to, to, in my opinion, and, and Jeff can maybe back me up, I really, once again, if, if, if you want to get something for Kemper knowing he's not going to come back, he should have at least got like a fourth-round draft pick or, a, you know, a, a draft pick. I would, ra- I would rather have had a fourth-round draft pick than Toby Reeder because, quite frankly, I just don't see what this guy brings to the table other than going off sides a lot and uh, not being able to handle the puck at high speed. <laughs> Well, I I gotta say that uh, he, okay. Here's the thing. Obviously, the alternative uh, is uh, the, the odd man out in the in the Toby Reader uh, swap was uh, was Brzezinski. Okay, but Brzezinski's had he's had his ample chances to snag and and solidify a spot there, like I follow, like I follow solidified his spot on the roster, where Brzezinski didn't didn't do that. So at the time that the trade was made, uh, you're getting a guy in Toby Reader from uh, from Arizona who who had uh, eight goals at the time and I think ten assists and and brought an element of speed. And the big thing is he didn't take dumb penalties. I mean the guy I think he's only got like six. He, I know he's got under ten penalty minutes the entire season. Uh, yeah. So correct. When you're looking when you're looking at what you could have gotten for him and the other thing too was there weren't that many teams in the market for a goalie. I mean, look at last year when uh, Ben Bishop was on the market and seemingly nobody wanted him. There, there just was no market there. So uh, the goalie market was very, was, was very tough. And I, I really thought to myself that, that the Kings would hopefully do something with Chicago, but who does Chicago have to send over to us? And Toby Reader, for the most part, I mean, he's a rental. Uh, I think he's just got just the rest of this season left on his contract. And uh, you, you had to get something for Kemper. And I understand getting a draft pick would have been good, but then how does that improve the team? I mean, Rob, it's a gamble. And Rob Blake was seeking to improve the team and trying to get a guy uh, who, who the last couple of years, I mean, he scored like 16. You know, he, had, he set a career high in uh, 2017 with 16 goals. So he was trying to add some scoring, and and a guy who, uh, who who brings speed there to put with Lewis and Kempe and uh, or Carter because those are guys who could keep up with him, and really it it falls on Johnny Brzezinski not grabbing that spot and making it his to where Rob Blake had to look for an upgrade, uh, and and I like Johnny Brzezinski, I'm a fan of his, and he, he's a young kid, so he's got time to develop. 
but it's a it's a gamble, and that's what all these things are. But the good thing in it, though, the Kings didn't give up any prospects or draft picks uh, like they have in the past in order to get uh, Tobias Reeder. They give up a guy that they were not going to be able to re-sign because they tried to. They they tried to re-sign him. They tried to get something worked out with him. But the bottom line is Kemper wanted to be a starting goalie, and I don't blame him because he's good enough to be a starter. So it's a matter yeah. of you got something for him. And unfortunately, it hasn't paid off in spades yet, but you never know with these things. I mean, he might be one of those guys that if the Kings get into the playoffs, all of a sudden the offense clicks with him and and he starts to produce. I mean, we'll see. But for the most part, he's been very underwhelming right now. Yep, yep. Interesting stat, too. Uh, two come to mind. Uh, in the last Ontario Rain game, Johnny Brzezinski actually had eight shots on goal in the game. And that's my thing, Augie. I think you all make super valid points there. But I just can't help but think that uh, Brzezinski was largely given fourth-line minutes. Uh, you know, yes. Andreoff Brzezinski and Amadio, you know, were playing together. And I just can't help but think, uh, given a similar role playing with Kopitar and Brown, maybe if uh, something could have happened there. But alas, we're just speculating. Other uh, interesting stat. Toby Reeder has never played in a postseason game by virtue of him being on Arizona. So there you go. This might be uh, that would be great. How wouldn't it yeah. be great to have? Uh, wouldn't it be great to have Toby mm-hmm. Reeder be the uh, you know the playoff hero that comes out of nowhere to you know who was uh, oh Chris Contos right? Would that not be a, a great story to have Toby Reeder be the uh, Chris Contos? Is, yeah. is Toby Reader the next Chris Contos? Oh wow, that's or, that's big skates to, to sell a hip check because Contos was absolutely amazing in that series against the, the defending Stanley Cup champ uh, Edmonton Oilers with Gretzky now on the Kings. That Contos was just lights out. So let's not put too much pressure on this poor kid since he's never even played a playoff game. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention I just wanted to mention one thing here that I did kind of get why Blake got him. It was to as Augie mentioned, it was to add speed uh, to the bottom six to be playing with guys like Kempe and Trevor Lewis, etc. Right now, he's been very underwhelming. I agree with all everything that Augie was saying there. Uh, the other thing is, is yeah, this guy, uh, in just two or three seasons ago, uh, was getting 30-somewhat points on a real crappy Arizona Coyotes team on their bottom lines. So if the, if the Kings can add 30 points to a, a bottom six player, wouldn't that be huge? That they already make some, you know, better than Cal Clifford or Andreoff or other guys in in theory. But one thing I will disagree is about Johnny Brodzinski not earning a spot on the line because one thing that I've noticed, and I think I mentioned this on the last show, uh, I've noticed with Coach John Stevens that really kind of uh, irritates me is that sometimes he'll have a line and they're, they're, it's the best line that the Kings have. It's just great chemistry. They're working hard. They could be scoring or they're playing great. And he'll just switch them up for no reason. And that's one thing that he did around the time of this trade. The Kings' best line was that fourth line. It was Andreoff with Amadio and Brodzinski. And they had great energy and they were making it very difficult for the opposing team because they were back checking very well. Created energy and and actually getting some goals, 
And as soon as they were great, they made the trade for Reader and Brodzinski all of a sudden, the odd man out and back down to Ontario, which I was not very happy with. So he, it looked like he was finally finding his place on the roster, but they gave it up very quickly. And Stevens now seems to have this habit that if a line is working, um, at least with the, the third and fourth line, not really the top two lines. Today, it, he put everything in a blender. That Brodzinski didn't get his fair shake. I think he finally did earn it. And Andrew was playing the best hockey he's been playing since, you know, playing with the Kings. And everything kind of fell apart in those bottom lines once that trade was made because Reader has not been able to gel with anybody. And he's been on all four lines. He's been playing on the, the top line. He played even today in the beginning, and they switched it pretty quick. Second line, third line, he's just not gelling with everyone. doesn't mean he's not going to find his place yet. But so far, it's looking really bad. Because the idea was to add speed and some points, scoring in the bottom six, and to bring Campbell up to be the backup goalie. And that's exactly what they did. But Reader's not living up to his part of the bargain, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's go ahead and talk about this right now, too, before we wrap this up. Because uh, here it is. Trevor Lewis got injured tonight. So... Now you have a couple of choices because your healthy scratches were uh, for forwards, Ziafalo and Amadio. Uh, I don't think they're going to do any, make any changes whatsoever on the decor, but you definitely are probably going to have to, you know, bring up Amadio or Iafalo. One of those guys is going to get his, uh, his chance to play just by virtue of the injury. And, uh, you know, if that injury is serious, guys, I, what do you think? They're, we're just thinking to think Brodzinski might get recalled, right? If, uh, if, if Lewis goes back to L.A. with three games left on the trip, you might see Michael Mersch or uh, Brodzinski recalled for the end of the road trip. So keep your eye on that. But based on what happened tonight, guys, once again, do you roll with Reeder again and once again give him enough chances to do it and maybe uh, – bring up Amadio to, to maybe take some face-offs, or do you think Iafalo now has uh, earned his keep where he gets back in the lineup? I mean, who do you bring up with Lewis out? Assuming Lewis does not play tomorrow, who do you call, you know, what do you do as far as your forwards? And we'll go and start with you, Augie. Uh, I make the I make a uh, decision based on the matchup, and given how Winnipeg is uh, – as a sizable team, I'd rather see Amadio out there because uh, I think he matches up well. The other guy that I'd consider in that is also Mersh too, because he uh, he's he's definitely earned a look in some regard, and I think he's a good matchup versus Winnipeg. And really, what it comes down to in that regard is you is you're going to make. I hope the Kings make the decision based on the opponent that they face and uh, what the line what the lines would be uh, when you match up against uh, the those teams there uh, on the third and fourth line. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong too, and I'll double check while uh, I'll double check on this while uh, Jeff gives his two cents. But did not uh, Amadio actually score against uh, Winnipeg when uh, that last game of the road trip last month? I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll check that out. But Jeff, go ahead. Your thoughts, buddy? Yeah, you know what? I would be happy with either Mersh or Brodzinski coming back up. You guys know everyone who's been listening to the show knows how you know how highly I think of Michael Mersh and how bad I feel for him the last few seasons because he hasn't really had a lot of luck when it comes to being called up and playing with the Kings. And then when he does get called up, he didn't even get to play a game. So you know, I would love to see Mersh because of his size. It would be a really good matchup 
um, against Winnipeg. But you know what? If they bring up Rodzinski too, because he already has that chemistry with Amadio, with Andriov, that's not a bad thing either. But one player I wouldn't mind seeing off the roster, and maybe you guys will disagree, but I have not been impressed by Tory Mitchell. I thought Tory Mitchell has had some really bad games lately. Um, you know, they bring him in so he can win face-offs. They bring, it up, bring him in so he can be on the PK. I thought he was really bad today. He wasn't that strong on the face-off dot as he should be. So I would take Mitchell out for sure, bring Amadio in, and then if Lewis does go on injured reserve, I'm fine with either Mersh or Brzezinski. But, you know, uh, the romantic in me and who loves the romantic side of hockey and storytelling and sports glory, I would love to see Mersh finally get his shot and actually, you know, contribute on the main roster with the Kings because we know it's long overdue and he deserves it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Jerry, we'll go ahead and let you have the final word tonight. Uh, Trevor Lewis out. You uh, put in Amadio. Do you put in uh, Iafalo? What do you do? I would uh, I'd put in Iafalo, I think. And, Go back to uh, Kopitar Brown and Iafalo there on that top line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that worked, that worked well. Yeah, they had some good – they play, probably played more together than any other line on the Kings. So, uh, yep, a, a good note there as well. Hey, Jerry, I'm going to go ahead and cut you loose because we're going to wrap this up, but you call back tomorrow, and thanks for your support. All right, buddy? Okay, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Go Kings, go. All right. Yeah. Go Kings, go, go, Jerry. All right, Jerry, Jerry from Ohio. So, hey, guys, some other stats, though, that, you know, you talked about, Tory Mitchell. And uh, let's be honest, really, I think – I think what really hurt Tory Mitchell was the acquisition of Nate Thompson. And uh, I know there's, yes. you know there's a certain, a lot of people that don't, don't like Thompson and say he's trash. And certainly once again, uh, he, you know, doesn't, you know, he's a fourth line center, you know, he is what he is. That said tonight in the faceoff circle, Kopitar was uh, 15 of 28 in the faceoff circle. Uh, Carter was four of nine. But Nate Thompson was actually six and one in the faceoff circle. Yep. So, uh, you know, once again, those guys are worth their weight in gold uh, when you can get a guy, you know, that's very good at one side of the ice in the defensive zone. And, uh, you know, say what you will about it, but that's a, it's not a bad thing to have. Uh, shades of uh, old Steve Casper. Uh, back in the old days, of the Kings <laughs> oh, would yeah. go out there and win almost every faceoff. Oh yeah. And that was great for your uh, for the Minnesota. And the only reason I'm reading this is just uh, Eric Stahl. Once again, 30, uh, 33 years old, 13 seasons under his belt. Uh, he was actually 10 of 15 in the faceoff circle. Clearly, uh, Minnesota's uh, best faceoff guy uh, there tonight. So it was uh, definitely a roller coaster of emotions uh, for for sure tonight. And uh, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens if the Kings can uh, once again get a point out of tomorrow's game. I think you got to consider it a victory. And uh, moving down to when we look at the rest of the schedule, uh, you know, and, and just how important really all, all these games are. Uh, once again, two against Colorado left. That's going to be huge in the wild card. Uh, one against Calgary. Fortunately, that's going to be at home. Unfortunately, it's not a it's not a matinee game. <laughs> it's not a oh, game. No, no more. Oh my gosh! 
Horrible, but uh, small a very, very impressive stretch. And once again, uh, a huge win tonight just to kind of think that there may be some momentum because once again, if, if by the, the grace of God, the Kings actually can get a win over Winnipeg, now all of a sudden you got some serious mojo, uh, you know, facing Colorado, facing Edmonton, back home now, Calgary, Arizona. Uh, then you got that huge game there in Anaheim. And then your final three all at home, all wild card matchups too. Colorado, Minnesota again, and Dallas. Strap in, boys. It's going to be a wild ride. I think that I, I don't. I don't think the hockey gods are done toying with us by any stretch. Not Never. at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Not so at all. Uh, other uh, other things. Other things. And Jeff, I want to throw this to you. We didn't talk about this, but it looks like the Kingston Frontenacs are going to face the North Bay Battalion uh, in the OHL yes, opening series for the playoffs. And, of course, the only reason we give two shits about Kingston is because Gabe Velarde's on the team. But uh, tell us a little bit about North Bay. I mean, are they worth a shit? Are they just a bottom-level OHL team? Uh, anything of notable we should be looking out for them? To be honest, I don't know too much about them, uh, uh, check except for the few times that I've just caught them playing randomly because I went to go see them play against the Kitchener Rangers or against the Guelph Storm because I just wanted to watch some hockey. Uh, to, to be honest, like they've never really impressed me. I think Kingston takes it because Kingston, since the acquisition of Gabe Velarde, who got hurt the other day, by the way, guys, playing against Mississauga just on, just on Sunday, he took a puck to the face. Um, I wasn't able to go cover the game, which I'm still angry and bitter about. Uh, because circumstances are beyond my control. But Ryan Cowley, a good friend of the show, he was there, and he was texting me updates. And early in the first period, a deflection of the puck hit him right in the face, and they took him right to the back. And he was gone for uh, a large portion of the game. So I was stressing out. And, you know, Kings fans who were are following what was happening with Kings were probably freaking out as well. But he did return and play a lot of shifts, and he seems to be okay. So luckily, uh, nothing was broken, no concussion, anything like that. So he is going to play. But he is, like, he is the breakout star. Like, the OHL just had a coach's poll where they asked all the coaches of the OHL to pick who you think are the best three players from each conference uh, for different things, best playmaker, best defensive defenseman, et cetera, and so on. And Gabe Velarde, who has missed half of the season because of the injury he suffered uh, last season in the Memorial Cup final playing for winter, missed half of the season has come back this second season and has been on a complete tear, as we've talked about many times on this show, just unbelievable, 58 points in 32 games, uh, making Kingston such a, a, an absolute threat that he was voted number one in the Eastern Conference as the best playmaker, as well as number one in the Eastern Conference as the best stick handler. That just shows how talented this kid is, and he's only played half a season. So I'm, I'm going Kingston all the way because Kingston, they have a structure. They have the star in Velarde. They can play defense. I think North Bay has no chance. Okay, there you go. There you go. And uh, there was a couple other Kings, didn't uh, didn't uh, Dolan Anderson uh, get a couple of awards in there in there as well, Jeff? No, no, because he plays in the Western Hockey League. But but the Kings did get 
Uh, Jacob Overari, of course, defenseman, Swedish defenseman, defenseman of the Mississauga uh, Steelheads. Uh, we all know we saw him play at the World Juniors with Sweden, and he got a silver medal. Uh, he has been battling with an injury, so he's just missed 20 games. But he has improved so much in his play. Like, he's now a leader on the team. He has an A on his chest. And even though he's missed 20 games, he was second voted in the East as the best defensive defenseman in the league. And this is a kid who has been criticized heavily that he just can't skate. He has a, a high hockey IQ. He could, you know, he, he he can power skate forward, but lateral skating, backward skating, you know, he really has to work on it, which he has. So for him to be voted by the OHL coaches second after missing 20 games as well, and Mississauga not doing as well as they did last year, where they went all the way to the OHL final, Moverari was second as best defensive defenseman. And uh, Sault Ste. Marie goaltender Matthew Vallada uh, was second in the West for best puck handling. And we know that uh, Sault Ste. Marie is a big, big favorite. Uh, they, they are outstanding to watch. They are so good that Vallada really doesn't have to do anything because he does, he's not going to face a shot for seven minutes because Sault Ste. Marie is constantly wave after wave on the attack. So his, his goals against average numbers aren't that great. His save percentage is really low. I believe it's 908, uh, which is you know, below average. But he has 40 wins, makes the saves when he has to, and has great puck handling skills, which for a goalie in the, the King system has been really rare because we know that even though Quick got an assist today, uh, you know, he's not good with stuff like that. Uh, Drake Rimshaw, Sarnia, best on face-offs, first in the West. Jacob Fred. Jacob Fred, who nobody cared about last year, can't skate. He's just a goon, can't do anything. This year has has become the captain of the Owen Sound attack and was voted number one in the East as the best checker or the most feared checker. So, yeah, the future looks bright, and the Kings prospects in the Ontario Hockey League being voted either first, second, or third at least um, get very high praise by coaches, and that's nothing but good news for our future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Always interesting to see the coaches poll uh, come out when it comes to these prospects. Uh, so much great stuff uh, that uh, you could you could really gleam if you look for it. If you're a real hockey fan, and you know the stuff you can get from the OHLs and whatnot, really worth worth its weight in gold and. Really, Jeff, and you could probably vouch vouch for this. I mean, hell, is that not half the fun of the hockey fan is when they release the coaches' poll to go uh, see which Kings prospects are notable and uh, look at their progress? Because you're right. Have we talked about Jacob Friend at all? I, I'll be honest. We haven't mentioned his name once, I don't think. <laughs> you know? Yes, we have. Augie has. Augie has. Yes, I have. Yes, yes Augie. Absolutely. Augie, can you yep. remind our listeners what you thought, what you saw of Jacob Fred last summer. Holy crap, that guy can hit. There's a video up on YouTube that I shot that uh, LA Kings insider John Rosen ended up using on the YouTube That's channel right. from the pro- from the prospect game where he laid out Austin Wagner. I mean, just destroyed him with a clean shoulder-to-shoulder hit. Uh, and it was just something that just, everybody just stopped couldn't believe it it was such a hard hit and it was clean and he's just a guy that 
he he plays very aggressive, and he definitely has a mean streak in him. But the thing about his mean streak, though, is that he keeps it under control. And when him and uh, Wagner got into a problem at center ice, uh, they tangled a little bit, and they broke it up themselves. But he remembered, and he went out there and just laid that kid out uh, with a clean shoulder-to-shoulder hit. So if you ever get a chance to go check out uh, on YouTube and check out Jacob Friend at L.A. Kings Prospect Camp. Uh, he's someone that he's big, he's strong, and he, he's, he, can, uh, he can lay people out. I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy you want out there if you want a physical presence. And uh, we'll see what he turns into because he's still young. And he's going to grow yes. into that body of his. So uh, he's one of those guys that just, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. I, I mean, if he's he going to make it to an NHL roster, one never knows. But I wouldn't be surprised because the kid can the kid can go. Same thing with Anderson Dolan. Anderson Dolan has the best engine out there. That guy's cardio is off the charts. So when you see him, when you see his effort out there, and hopefully he improves his skating, uh, he's going to be somebody to definitely watch because he's the kind of guy that if he's out there three-on-three three or in the penalty kill, uh, he's going to tire out the other team because the guy has an engine that won't quit. Yeah, can Good I just stuff. jump in Good there, uh, Augie? Can Absolutely. I just jump in there about Anderson Dolan? Yeah, I, I agree with Augie 100%. I mean, uh, now we're talking about the Western Hockey League where Anderson uh, Dolan is playing. He plays with the Spokane Chiefs. I mean, he's got 40 goals, 51 assists, 91 points, and 70 games this year. He's rocking it. He's rocking and rolling. And he is such a young kid. I mean, he's 18, but he still has, you know, he still has a lot to develop. But he's already, like, razzling and dazzling over there in the Western Hockey League and the Spokane Chiefs are, I mean, they're playing as well as they do because this kid is, he's their, he's their, their number one point getter. He leads the team with 91 points. And he's the one keeping those, uh, those guys uh, into the games. And I just want to give a, just a quick little shout out to Kale Clegg, another Kings prospect that's played over in the West, uh, was playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings, got traded to a very powerful Moose Jaw Warriors. And I love teams that have names like Moose Jaw, like Moose Jaw Saskatchewan <laughs> or whatever. I, like, like that's to me, that's junior hockey. You know, I don't think of the Kitchener Rangers or the Kings. I think of the Moose Jaw or, or, or you know, <laughs> teams like that, like uh, the Kamloops Blazers. I just love those names. But he got traded to the Booster Warriors, who have 50 wins already this season. And he has 24 points in 26 games since he joined the Warriors and just solidified their defense. He's also, Kel Clegg, also playing outstanding and uh, making the Booster Warriors probably the favorites to come out of the West as well. So we got our boys in the Ontario Hockey League rocking and rolling, coaches giving them praise. And we got Anderson Dolan and we got Kel Clegg also rocking and rolling in the Western Hockey League and turning heads as well. So that's great to see. And the best case scenario is that we do not want to see uh, Jacob Friend's team actually having to take on the Kingston Frontenacs <laughs> because there's nothing that would be oh, yeah. worse than Jacob Friend to Don't level Dave Velarde. Don't right? go there, Hip. <laughs> oh, that would be horrible. Yeah. That would be that would so be. horrible. Oh man, isn't that like yeah. Yo- isn't All that right. like isn't that like uh, Craig Johnson taking out Yosef Stumple in practice and then Stumple missed half the season because of the injury and they're on the same team that uh, was in practice? I mean, it's just yeah, that's just yeah. horrible. Let's hope, knock on wood. Hopefully, that's not in the script yeah. by the hockey guys. 
collective knock on wood for sure. No doubt. All right, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and let's go ahead and wrap it up now. Hey, Augie, you have a great night, dude. Always enjoy chatting with you and uh, your knowledge Thanks, of guys. hockey and your your pregame Twitter stuff you share with the Kings playing soccer and uh, just <laughs> the stuff that you pick up by hanging out there at Toyota Sports Center, dude. Really, it's it's invaluable, man. Appreciate it so much, brother. Uh, thank you, guys. Okay, so uh, hey, you know what? From from what I understand, that uh, this might be our. Uh, if the Kings don't get into the playoffs, this is going to be like our last uh, road trip. Uh, so, oh, I mean, boy. I can't believe how quick how quick the season has the regular season is gone. But uh, hopefully, this isn't the last road trip, and this isn't the last rodeo for uh, for us this season because uh, we really want the boys to get in there and do some damage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah. I. I'm not. I'm not sure if, uh, if I'm going to be available tomorrow. It all depends on work overtime. But uh, if not, um, I think when are we back on here? Thursday, Thursday, right? Yes, correct. correct. Yeah. So uh, yeah, then I'll, I'll be back on on Thursday. So uh, we'll uh, we'll go from there. But thank, hey, Hip and Jeff, thank you so much, man. I mean, I, I really love doing the show with you guys, and it's been such. It's been so much fun. I mean, it, it just this is one of those highlights for me. Those things that I really do appreciate about being a Kings fan. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Augie. You're, you're, you're talking. Same to you. Yeah, you're talking to guys. You're talking to guys that could drop a like a Steve Casper reference, and every everybody yeah. knows who he is. You don't get that glassy-eyed. Uh, Doggish look where you turn your head to the person you're talking to who has no absolute <laughs> clue who Steve Casper was. <laughs> or Chris Casper with a K. Yep. Or don't forget right. the legendary the legendary the legendary Warren Reichel. Don't forget him. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yep. absolutely. Two thousand winter won't nineteen ninety nineteen ninety three playoff run led all rookies in scoring with six goals and seven assists. There you go. Well, look and, at that. And then huh? won the cup with Colorado, right? Duh. Yeah. And a yeah. classic moment too earlier in the season where uh where there was a little balls up brawl uh, with the Kings versus the Sharks and uh Reichel just absolutely pummels Jeff Odgers. Uh go go see if you can find the YouTube video. <laughs> Worth the watch for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Augie, all right, have guys. a great night. See all right, later. buddy. You too. Take care, all right. guys. All right, and uh, yep, yep, and uh, Jeff is going to be uh, hosting the show solo tomorrow. I'm doing some stuff with my band, the Hired Gun Trio. If you haven't gone, check out our Facebook page. Please take a moment, and give us a thumbs up, and uh, watch a couple of our videos. We're going to be recording a new one tomorrow that I'm pretty excited about, and uh, nice, so Jeff will nice. be taking on the show solo with. Uh, a couple of guest stars that are going to be coming out of the the woodwork. Were you able to get the to get Gretzky to come on and help you co-host, Jeff? Unfortunately, uh, I was only able to get a hold of the assistant of Gretzky's assistant's assistant, and they told me um, he was just, he was in a meeting and wasn't available to take my call. So unfortunately, I had to go to my second choice. It's my good friend, Mark Warner, host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, friend of Belly Kings Road Talk Radio. So Mark will be doing the show with me tomorrow. So I guess that will do as well. Perfect, perfect. All right, Jeff. Well, I know you're going to rock and roll it, and then uh, we'll be back here Thursday uh, as the Kings wrap up their last road trip 
huge game, uh, Kings versus Colorado. And, uh, well, that'll be interesting for sure. So, all right, Jeff, you, uh, you rock it tomorrow. I know you'll kill it. Do a great job, as you always do. All right? All right. Thanks, Hip. It's always an honor to be on the show and the host of the show. You got it, buddy. You have a great night. And for Hockey Central South Orange County, this is your old friend Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Checks in. Good night. Fantastic, thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.